On today's show, should the Cleveland Cavaliers get in the Dylan Brooks market and what other kind of free agents are out there on the wing? Why it's going to be hard for Cleveland to get the kind of wing it needs? We'll talk about it on today's Locked On Cavs. You are Locked On Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. I'm Chris Manning from Fear the Sword from the magazine, the Just Basketball Show. That man over there is Evan Damerel. He is the founder of Independent Site, right down Euclid, covering the whole entire Cleveland sports scene. As always, we are produced by Jake Stevens. For parts that fit, by the way, head to eBay Motors and look for the green check. Stay in the game with the guaranteed fit eBay.com, eBaymotors.com. Let's ride eBay guarantee fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only exclusions apply. Thanks again for making Locked On Cavs your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Evan, let's talk in segment one here about the Cavs wing situation. So here's where I stand at it right now. As we think about this in May, we have about two months until free agency, and you can bet your, your bottom dollar that we will be doing you know, an analysis of the various wing targets as podcast segments, as podcast episodes in the lead up to free agency. Probably more than the draft because the Cavs have like a second round draft pick. What? Which Kobe Altman told me. Um, well, to- yeah, he- we'll consider trading it, using it in a two-way guy or stashing it overseas, which is the most non-answer answer I could have gotten for that question. That is, that is... That is the answer a president of basketball operations gives when he is in a media scrum talking to a bunch of people and wants to say like nothing in particular. That that's that's what that is. But here here is just you look at the free agency market. I I wouldn't feel great about this market if you're Cleveland. You have Kyle Kuzma. You're not going to get on him financially. Ditto for Jeremy Grant. I like J- Jay Crowder just like did is older and didn't just didn't play in the Bucks. You got knocked out of the playoffs. Then you get into like some weird stuff. We'll talk about Dylan Brooks, who wants like twenty five million dollars apparently. <laughs> Which like okay, Kelly Oubre. I, I too want twenty five million dollars, but <laughs> yes, uh, Kelly Oubre is out there. Okay, Grant Williams would be a really nice get, but that is someone who's probably only available in a sign and trade, and I have no idea how realistic that is for what Cleveland could offer. Harrison Barnes would make sense to me, but you look at what you just saw from him with the Kings, and that's a guy whose shooting got really ignored. And like, is that really like solving your problem if you're Cleveland? It's not. So I, I Evan, I look at the wing market and I look at what realistic options the Cavs have as of right now with the assets they have and everything. I, I think you're basically looking at like stands in and placeholders. I don't think you're getting or have the means necessarily to even get the kind of player that would really fix this issue for you. No, and it's it's unfortunate because in terms of like wing depth moves, the Cavs like biggest signing will probably be Karis Levert on some type of extension. But the the market other than that is not like super duper duper inspiring. Like you mentioned, there's Grant Williams who makes sense in a vacuum for Cleveland, just how they play. But there's that guy. Um, Maybe Dylan Brooks, if you like ignore the Donovan Mitchell factor of it all, and you're like, you're like, okay, 
we're we're fine with losing Donovan Mitchell to the Knicks in a few years. And then there's guys that are a little bit of like they're a clear upgrade over what Cleveland was starting at the three or whether it's just playing depth on the wing, like whether it's Harrison Barnes or if you get in the nitty gritty of it, like Josh Richardson or Miami's Max Struss or even Brooklyn's Cam Johnson, if Brooklyn doesn't want to match any offers for Cam Johnson because he's a restricted free agent. But like, this is not the ideal year free agency wise for Cleveland to have their full um, non-taxpayer mid-level exception and just use that as like a bargaining chip or rather like a, a means to upgrade the back end of the rotation or the starting five to just round out this young core four that you've assembled of um, Garland, Mitchell, Mobley, and Allen. When I look at some of these, like some of the things you could do, I don't think are like bad, like one year stopgap. Right, like if, mm-hmm. if you told me I could get like Harrison Barnes for like the mid level mm-hmm. for a year, I would do it. I don't mm-hmm. know, if, I don't know what that looks like. Kelly Oubre for like a year as like a stopgap, I get it. Like, and if you wanted to skew smaller, like I, a name I really like, and we'll talk about him later, is like Don, in in the summer is Dante Divincenzo is like a guard kind of wing filler. I okay. like that type of archetype of player. I you know he might be available and that'd be part of the mid level, but is but you look at any of these names. And look, I don't even know with the price of good with the with the price of what wings are if you're solving this need in free agency anymore. It might Fair. we might we might be at a point in the league, and I think this is. We'll see how this kind of bears fruit, but I think to get the wings that really are needle movers at that position, it's going to require draft capital. It's going to require trading for them and giving up draft capital. Lots of money that you know maybe it's your big free agency splurge, but it's got to be a very situation. So probably a bad team buying an upgrade as a dev mm-hmm. to complement other young players. The Cavs are not in that position. And it's going to require hitting on draft picks. Like, I, I think the, the the move that Cleveland can do to solve their wing issue, barring a trade, barring like a Jared Allen trade, matching the right salary and manifesting yourself something, or you can, you can, out, you can get one of the guys from the Nets that's maybe, I think, a little better than some of these guys. And, yeah. But even they're kind of still stopgappy to me. I think you're really looking at like, hey, we have to do this and improve this and give ourselves some some upgrades, but also like really got to try to get five, six young guys in the building in the next couple of years and try to develop them as, as many as we can. So let me flip you this. What draft picks are Cleveland or whether rather um, what draft picks is Cleveland hitting on um, at this point? Because they've they've been to the farm down the Mitchell as they should, but. I mean, you have to you have to find guys that can be you. It, this is about getting lucky on some seconds. This is about a your first round pick in twenty twenty four. It's tough, but it's like that's the situation you're in. That's the way you have to do it. No, point. I, I I agree, but like thinking that hey, oh my god, I'm scrolling right now. Um, Cleveland is currently picking forty ninth overall because of Golden State. Um, yeah. Assuming they're able to develop like a rotation caliber, like three or wing player is slim. Just yeah, uh, like sure. Dean Wade and Lamar Stevens and maybe Isaiah Mobley is like case points of um wing players or just not not wing players, just players in general developing like the, the G League and whether. But then that answers my other question or at least leads into my other question. 
what assets do the Cavs have to make like a tangible move to upgrade to the three? Because like that's that's the glaring issue because Isaac Okoro didn't have that leap we were hoping for heading into year three. And sure, you can mention the COVID year, um, everything notwithstanding, but Okoro just hasn't been the permanent answer at the starting three spot for Cleveland. And most teams don't have a permanent answer at the three spot. Otherwise, they're contending at this point. But it's hard to think, like, what can the Cavs do um, navigation-wise other than, like, saying, okay, we should trade Jared Allen for assets so we can, like, reload the chamber a little bit so we can go get that's possible starting three because it's it's either that or the the mid-level exception at this point. Yeah. And look, I, I understand this stuff is slim. I like that's that's baked into this. But I think like when you I think I, for, I think uh, that's uh, what I'm trying to like crystallize in this first segment is just like the the Cavs options to make like tangible upgrades on the perimeter is is increasingly slim as we like yeah. break this down in the nitty gritty. Yeah, that but that's where this gets you. This is what happens when you've traded a bunch of stuff. This is this is the reality all teams get into when they're trying to compete at the highest level. You have to find ways to succeed in these different ways and get like some of this is luck. Some of this is just like okay, maybe you got there. maybe a guy fell in the maybe you find your version of like Austin Reeves or you find your version of like you find like a Draymond who like like or even like half of Draymond who's like a generational guy in the, in his case and you get lucky. Like some of this is luck. Some of this is is just getting lucky. Some of this is means you find the right free agent who improves and you don't expect it to. Or like you, you get just enough from, and like other factors contribute to covering for maybe the lack of a need. Like maybe Okoro comes back next year and looks better. Maybe like Evan Mobley is, like ascends another level defensively and kind of helps you ease some of your burdens. Maybe he adds a jump shot, right? Like there are things that can also help this. But I think part of this is just going to be like, you got it. Like you're like, we know where all these free agency guys are. We know exactly what they are. I think you're going to dive into second picks. We'll talk after this break about someone who we very much know who he is. And, like, there's a profile of him that I think makes sense if you... But uh, let's just say I'm a little bit skeptical. And I, I think everyone probably is. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. It is so easy to get caught up in what everyone else needs from you. And never take a moment to think about what you need from yourself. I am a living testament to this. But when we spend all of our time going and giving, it can give us it can leave us feeling stretched thin and burned out. Therapy can give you the tools you need to find more balance in your life. So you can keep supporting others without leaving yourself behind. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give better help a try. It is entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch through there switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. I used to, I've been going to therapy for a long time. It has been a staple in my life. I go like every other week at this point and I I I'm not even the most well-adjusted person, but I would be the mo- like much less well-adjusted without regular therapy. Aren't find more balance. Yeah. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com/lockedinmba today to get 10% off your first month. That's H E L P help.com slash locked on NBA. So Dylan Brooks, okay. <laughs> Evan, here, here's My where like, from this segment is similar to the last segment. Like whew. what, what I think 
with Dylan Brooks is I can I, I number one I think JJ Redick there's a going around of him from first take that I found very I think very like logical and I also think like we've gotten like over ourselves and like talking about like there's a series with LeBron James Curry going on right now and like there's still all this like Dylan Brooks who's like the sixth best player in the Warriors like like what are we doing we let's talk about the hoop but there are, I, I'm of two minds in Brooks number one I think like what he is is like a tough guy as like a as a kind of as that kind of presence and on the wing is not like an unuseful thing mm-hmm. I his brand of it to me just goes like it, I think like he went a little bit too far in, in where he took it in the playoffs. Like I think it, I think it was like part of an overall kind of Grizzlies, some overall Grizzlies issues, but I think it's part of the problem. The other side of it is that like he is like he wants a pay raise. He has talked about wanting like twenty five million dollars. Uh, that has been the reported figure out there. And he's talked about uh, he had, you know, exit interview quotes. Where he's like, I believe I can do more. I wasn't fully utilized. If you're Cleveland and you're trying to sign Dylan Brooks, aside from the issue of like, does this guy like fit in your culture in your locker room, someone you you want? Like, I don't know if the, the my wing splurge is on a guy who believes he can do more and wants to be more in, in all of these things. I don't know if that is even like the right fit for you. So from like a player aspect, like how he plays, like Dylan Brooks fits the mold of what the Cavs want to be. In terms of, hey, we're a team that imposes our will um, at home or on the road, uh, whether however you want to look at it. But I, I, I just like you said, like I don't see Brooks being like a crystal clean fit for this locker room for Cleveland. And on paper, sure, I talked about this with Pete Bukowski when I was on um, <clears throat> Locked on Sports Today, or. Whichever show uh, Pete hosts, but either way, um, that that that's the show. I doubt you were unlocked on Packers. You never know. I have some. But you were not takes. Okay, but I don't. Think I, I'm a Christian Watson dynasty okay. investor move, at this move, point. Move, but move, Pete uses segment. But either way, um, either way, um, the Cavs need a guy who can kind of like enforce that edge, enforce that will, like at least come postseason time and. You look at guys, sure, Dylan Brooks, rather, is in this stratosphere, or there's Draymond Green, or there's just guys who, like, play with, or Steven Adams as well, like, guys who play with, like, a certain edge to them, and if you're looking at the Cavs, like, sure, they they say all the right things, but they kind of lack that grit, that tenacity, that, whether it's J.B. Bickerstaff, or the fan base, or the front office, or whoever in between is just, like, expecting this Cavs team. Like, there's a guy that embodies that. Like, sure, on paper, Dylan Brooks embodies that, but I jokingly said this the other day. Um, it's a... I, I don't want to say that this is a guaranteed path to, like, the Cavs losing Donovan Mitchell, but... Like Dylan Brooks and Donovan Mitchell like each other. Like well, it's it, pretty it, clear at this at point. Least, at least, well, at least Donovan Mitchell doesn't like Dylan Brooks. I don't know if we exactly understand how Dylan Brooks like feels the other way, but they did get in a bust up, and then Donovan Mitchell like talked a bunch of crap on him. So he probably it probably isn't like best buds. You know what I mean? But I, Dylan I Brooks, know. if asked about the situation, probably say, "Oh, nuts! I don't like Donovan Mitchell very much." But regardless. We we talked about this earlier in the week, like the Cavs kind of have to like 
tiptoe this awkward line of like courting Donovan Mitchell to keep him here long term. I feel like somehow bringing Dylan Brooks and that's financials aside, like the, the, the number I continue to scoff at because like Dylan Brooks is a fine enough player, but the money he's wanting is just not what I would sign him for if I was an NBA executive. But regardless, like if you're trying to keep Donovan Mitchell, who's your superstar or the guy you traded the entire farm for Dylan Brooks is not the dude you sign to just like keep him around long-term and also like level you up to become like a legitimate championship team. Here's also three point percentage. The last couple of years. This, I was giving you the floor for this one because it's bad. 32.6% this year on six attempts per game, 30.9% last year on 4.7 attempts per game, 344 which is pretty good at, on 5.6 attempts uh, in three years ago, and then 35.8. So the last years, that has been a decline, and this year he took more threes than he ever has, which is good, but he's not making enough of them. And th- this is, this, like, let's say you bring Dylan Brooks in, it's the, the vibes are good enough, he brings you an edge, he gives you that stuff. Is he a good enough shooter to be a guy that is like 100% locked in in closing games because teams don't ignore him? The answer is no. And he also just like doesn't give you a ton else on offense. Like he's not, he is not a, to me, not a particularly like helpful offensive player in what he does. His value is defensively and being a pretty solid defender and all that stuff. And like maybe hitting the occasional three, getting hot at times, but he's not like the, like, again, you might not be able to get, you might, you're any player you get at the three is going to have some warts, but I don't know if these are the exact warts I would want to live with. I think if I'm Cleveland, I, there are other situations where I absolutely could see it. Like, I think Miami, I think I could see Portland, I could see, like, Minnesota. Like, I, there are teams where I totally could get them being like, all right, let's roll the dice in Nolan Brooks. I didn't, like, really, I, I don't think what Shaq had to say, like, where he, like, things will be out of the league, to me, feels accurate. But I don't know if Cleveland's, like, the right place for that bet based on what they need and, and what they already have. No, I agree. And, like, on paper, defensively, the at least rotation three through five between Brooks, Bowley, and Allen is, it's, it's lethal at least on paper, but culturally it would rock the boat a little bit too much. And I, I know like we're talking about a team that got finessed by the uh, Knicks in the first round, but the, the Cavs are like an inter- interesting enough spot where they cannot afford to like, misdirect enough and i think dylan brooks is a misdirection enough in the way that hey this could rock the boat way too much and just completely ruin what you're building i did just text someone uh that's a wolf fan if i should be put in prison or or is is Brooks a good wolves thing and they said the vibes of the wolves are so bad at this point that but like here's here's just like this is not like I don't think there's like any fan base that's like, heck yeah, brother, like let me get in the Dylan Brooks business right now. I'm sure there's like Grizzlies fans that are on like a no flight list at this point that they feel that way. Yeah, I wonder what Sean Coleman thinks. <laughs> let's let's move on, Evan, to Kobe Altman, who finished sure. second in uh, NBA executive of the year voting. I think the this is like always these things are kind of funny. They are. Um because like I like 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 yes, he did a good job. Right? 
he got Donovan Mitchell and like drafted Evan Mobley and like the culmination of the last couple of years leads you to, to get to where you are now with what this group is, right? But it's also like, oh, like there's clearly some holes in the roster and you know, like they're, they're, this roster isn't quite where it needs to be. You know, he so the the voting is uh, Monty McNair from the Kings wins. Kobe Alban finished second. Uh, Jazz GM Justin Zanuck and Denver Nuggets GM Calvin Booth tied for third. Funny that like and like that was a distant third, but it's like funny that like the Jazz GM who traded Donovan Mitchell like his third. Just like funny how like that trade these trades can be two way streets sometimes. Listen, I, man, the guy who interrupted Paolo Banchero from the unanimous rookie of the year saved Justin Zanuck's case. Walker Kessler is good, but. Um, oh, he's great. But like, like I, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I I think that I've been thinking about this, Evan. I think there's more, not like in terms of like, maybe not even, I don't even know exactly why I got to this, to this point, but I kind of like mm-hmm. feel like I, there should be more scrutiny on Altman more so than like all the stuff directed at JB Bickerstaff. That is kind of where I'm at. Even with like, I think he deserved to get recognition for the job he did. Like they should take some victory laps. Like they they've done a really good job to elevate the franchise in a relatively short amount of time post LeBron James. Like better than any Cavs GM did last time, right? We didn't mm. like you know have there, this, he didn't do he didn't do a Chris Grant or like like David Griffin got LeBron back. Like these are these are different mm-hmm. things. I but I do think like there's there's this is this is time to like kind of maybe like continue whatever this is and figure. There's a lot of pressure, I think, on Kobe to get the summer right. Oh, yeah, 100%. Like, you made the move to go get your superstar in Donovan Mitchell, and you're trying to navigate, like, the trepidations of getting flamed out in the first round of the playoffs. It's hard to figure out the next steps for Kobe, but... With your David Griffin comparison, it's easier and harder at the same time with LeBron on your roster. But in terms of like Kobe's sake, like they are figuring out the next steps. And I agree with you to an extent. Like, I think what JB did come postseason time, whether it's playing the Ricky Rubio off the bench in games three and four or starting Karis Levert three for three through five or just think relegating Isaac Okoro to the bench like there's a lot of more questions than answers about this Cavs going forward and credit where credit's due like Kobe Alpin in his exit interviews cited like the regular season success for the Cavs and I agree with Jason Lloyd in this one like you give your the flowers to this iteration of the Cavs like yeah they're a regular season success but going forward like you're trying to maintain this balance of the superstar you traded for in Donovan Mitchell and on the other end of the spectrum, like contending for the playoffs and finding a happy medium in between the two to keep Mitchell in here long term. Like Alvin's future will be decided whether it's this offseason or if they're able to like just punt it down the road long enough for next offseason. Um, we'll figure it out, but. I think the Donovan Mitchell trade and just like materializing it together maybe gave you the benefit of the doubt. And it's worth noting that like these rewards were voted for before the postseason began. Yeah. In terms of like media voting. So the Cavs do have the benefit of the doubt. Like Chris and I heading into this series, like 
probably felt more confident about the Cavs. Maybe the fact that like, they're playing into the second round, whether it's against, well, Miami at this case. But regardless, um, Altman did the right moves up to this point. He drafted for best player available. Like, I questioned drafting Darius Garland and Colin Sexton. Thank God I was wrong. Or, like, drafting Evan Mobley, like, was a player that fell under the lap. Or, like, being pragmatic and productive and opportunistic and like getting Jared Allen or just like working within the margins and now like we'll, we'll see is he worthy of being considered the second best GM in the NBA we'll see can he build upon like this rock solid foundation he's built we'll see and I don't, I'm, I'm shrugging my shoulders like Monty McNair makes him on the makes a ton of sense because Sacramento was just like such a revelation this year but we'll, we'll see how Altman performs this um this upcoming offseason last thing we'll end on this is there any like random role guy you wish you could like clone that you've seen in the place and if you give me like a star Evan like if you say Andrew Wiggins like that doesn't count give me like a oh. real role give me like a real role guy who you've seen in the playoffs who has like okay. who has really impressed you and and you'd be like oh I'd like to clone that guy and put him on the Cavs. I was gonna say Chris Middleton before the injury season, but um, that, that's also not what I'm at. Like you're like I know like I a, know before he said in this playoffs I'm like oh Chris Middleton before this season. I um, mean he was in the play, but like I want like an actual role guy, not like a guy who's got a play option for forty million dollars. Not just that, but like. I've been on record as saying if I can copy and paste Chris Middleton, I'd apply him to every team and just make him better. But, um, shoot. Probably, at least from like looking for Cavs' perspective, like Jared Vanderbilt would be fun. Okay. In terms of like the defensive upside and like the length and physicality that he plays with, like, JB Bakerstaff might be hard pressed to find like a permanent answer to the starting three, but like a Vanderbilt enough. And I'm thinking, like, salary and just, like, player profile in general, um, like, fits the mold of what the, like, at least what the Cavs need in terms of, like, defending the three on a consistent basis. Yeah, the shooting would be, like, still a concern there. Like, that's why you saw him pulled a little bit in game one. Um, I have DiVincenzo stock, even though, like, he Mm. really struggled shooting. But, like, I like, I like that kind of guard. Um, I remain a DeAnthony Melton fan. Like any of those, Wait, bigger, if you say Dylan Brooks long term, any of those like bigger like two guards who can like defend up, like uh, in the Celtics Sixers game right now, Derek White opened the game defending Tobias Harris. Like, give me a guard like that, brother. Like, let's go. I love that stuff. Um, those well, would be two. Derek Brooks or sorry, Derek White would rather would be like a permanent game um two notwithstanding, but like like a permanent answer for the other Ricky Rubio question. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's like the kind of thing that like Caruso would be or like T.J. Like, McConnell. Grant Williams on paper makes sense rather than I'm going to make both Grant Williams, but Grant Williams until the closing moments of the game makes sense for the Cavs on paper. You know who else is pretty, even though he hasn't shot as well in round two, Josh Hart would also be nice. Oh, um, Josh Hart. That was probably one of the better deadline moves for any NBA team just because he's been a culture dude for them. And I like jokingly texted a buddy, um, shout out to Cy, but one of my groomsmen, but um, like 
Josh Hart going to the Knicks was like a culture signing for New York. And the fact yeah. that like he is just the most New York player or like most Tom Thibodeau player possible. Yeah. 100%. All right. Let's end it there. I'm Chris Manning. That's Evan Damerel. Thanks again to Jake Stevens for producing Every Dares. We're going to be back in the coming days talking about Darius Garland's season, where he goes from here, and what the playoffs told us about him. Until next time, I'm Chris. That's Evan. Enjoy the hoops. There's a lot of good basketball, even though the Cavs are no longer in it because they lost to the freaking Knicks.